This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Jim Little, retired longtime editor and publisher of the Wet Mountain Tribune. I've invited him up from Wetmore just to find out what's going on. Jim, thanks for coming up the hill. Thank you, Gary. It's always a pleasure. You've lived in Wetmore forever? Uh, well, uh, 46 years. Uh, That's so forever. almost forever, yes. Uh, my family. Uh, is originally from the Canyon City area, I, uh, five generations back. They came in 1859, and so I never did stray far. And when I first started working for the Tribune in 73, I was dividing my time between the Tribune and the Florence Citizen, and Wetmore seemed like a good spot to be. So I moved in, thought I'd sell it in a few years, and then here, you know, four and a half decades later, I'm still there. Now, we all drive through Wetmore, but what's the personality of the town from your perspective? Well, um, it's just kind of a dot on the map is basically what it is. But it, in all the time I've been there, it really hasn't changed much. Uh, same houses. We've lost several businesses, which is unfortunate. But a lot of the same people are around, and it's pleasant weather. It's um, within easy driving distance to the Springs or Pueblo for gardening. It's much better than here in the Valley. That's and, a good point. Uh, uh, so it's just uh, it's a great little place. And the place I have, uh, it was an 1881 uh, farmhouse that was built that I added onto over the years, but I've got creek frontage, good water well. My big Newfoundlands have always loved it there, and it's, it's just a great place to be. So catch us up on your retirement uh, after the Tribune. What keeps you busy these days? Well, I'm able to sleep in, uh, for one thing, but I'm also uh, still active with uh, some nonprofit organizations, uh, primarily the El Pamar Foundation. I serve on its uh, Central Peaks Regional Council, and I'm also on the board of the Frontier Pathways Scenic Byway. So uh, those two things keep me busy, and luckily all three of my uh, kids, um, who range in age from 20 to 25, all live within the area, so I'm able to spend time with them, which is great. And I have a new grandbaby in Silvercliff, so that's fun. Oh, that's perfect. So what's the biggest surprise that retirement brought? Well, I was anticipating uh, much more angst uh, in <laughs> retirement. I really thought that it was going to be more difficult, but I have eased into it pretty well. You know, looking back in retrospect for being with the Tribune for more than 45 years, that uh, even though it was a desk job, it really was exhausting. <laughs> and so I'm surprised at how well I have uh, eased into the retirement scene. Perfect. Let's talk a bit about the Tribune. You were here for over 40 years. Had you had previous newspaper experience? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, I, my father was in the newspaper business. My uncle was. So I, by osmosis, I had that. I was going to school and getting some independent study in journalism when I was first hired by Bob Cruzen, who had the Florence Citizen and the Wet Mountain Tribune. He had just bought the Tribune from uh, Joe and Pauline Payton, who uh, many people I'm sure will remember, and they ran it from uh, 56 to 73, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I started in in uh, 73, worked several years, and went off and did a couple of other things came back in 1980 and then bought the Tribune in 81. 
And in those days, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot going on uh, in Westcliff. When I first bought the uh, the Tribune, I I think the census was uh, let me see here, in, uh, about eleven hundred and twenty. And so uh, for the Census Bureau, we were still considered a frontier because we had fewer than two people per square mile. And the population started growing. I think the biggest growth started happening in the 60s when uh, two of the ski areas opened up. Mm -hmm. Those were the Ski San Isabel over uh, on Highway 165 going to Lake Isabel. And it operated from early 60s until 85. The Silver Hills Ski Area, which Clara Rada and Margaret Lockernini opened up in 66, and it ran until 84. And so that started uh, attracting new people who had never been to Custer County, which was uh, pretty much a ranching community. And then the big uh, uh, change occurred in 76 when Conquistador opened up. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we were kind of on the map and uh, had skiers that came from all over the place for that. And as a result of that, we started having some of the larger ranches subdivided and just more housing growth and population growth. And then the big change occurred between 1990 and 2000. In 1990, the county population was 1,926. In 2000, it was up to a little more than 3,500. And so that increase was 81.9%. We were, I believe, the third fastest growing county in the nation by percentage points. Obviously, the numbers aren't that great, but uh, by percentage. And so that's when things really kind of started taking off here. Now, the Wet Mountain Valley has gone through ebbs and flows before. Obviously, in the 1880s, it was a huge place. There were a number of newspapers in in the valley, the uh, Silver Cliff Miner, the Rosita Index, and the Wet Mountain Tribune, eighteen eighty three. Eighteen eighty three, yes. Uh, and again, in those mining days, by best count, there were like seventeen papers, and that included three dailies, uh, all of them in Silver Cliff. And the first paper of record was the Rosita Index, which was published from eighteen ninety five or eight. I'm sorry, eighteen seventy five to eighteen eighty. And, wow. and then there were several others, the Sierra Journal. Um, some of them lasted barely a few weeks. Uh, certainly the Tribune is uh, the longest serving paper, 138 years. And we're now one of the oldest papers. We, I say we, because I still hold it in my heart. Uh, <laughs> one of the oldest papers uh, still publishing in the state. Now, I think... Old copies of these old newspapers are probably available in the library or other other places. Jordan at the Tribune office has bound volumes that go back uh, to the early 1970s. But many, many years ago, it was the Kellogg Foundation gave the state a big chunk of change to consolidate as many old newspapers as they could. So as a result of that, the State Historical Society and many regional libraries have a lot of those early papers on microfilm. When you turned over the Tribune, did the larger news organizations show interest in putting the Trib under their umbrella? Well, for years, I had big newspaper chains that were nipping at my heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they saw how lucrative newspapering can be, and but I just could not, for the life of me, sell out to a chain to where it would be some accountant in Omaha that would be calling the shots here. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, again, in a newspaper family. I know the importance of community journalism, and so I really, really wanted to find a, a local owner, and uh, at the time, 
Jordan Hedberg was had been a reporter with me for a few years, and he was able to scrape together uh, an investor, and uh, so the rest is history. And I'm glad for it. You know, when I first bought the Tribune um, in uh, 1981, there were around 160 uh, papers in Colorado, both dailies and weeklies. With the exception of the Rocky Mountain News, which is owned by Scripps Howard, virtually every single one was owned by a local family. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, you could count on three hands, maybe the number of independently owned papers. And so I think the residents and readers in Custer County, I hope, realize how fortunate they are to have a local editor and publisher where they can go in and holler at him if the need be, or maybe slap him on the back and thank him occasionally. (laughs) Now, I'm sure you learned a lot during your tenure at the Tribune. What were a few surprises over the years? Well, um, I sort of eased into it, and uh, by the grace of good providence, I uh, was able to move along without too many apple carts being upset. You know, there were uh, obviously a lot of big, not exactly earth-shattering, but big news stories that occurred, plane crashes in the Sangres, hikers and climbers falling to their deaths, but looking at it from a community perspective, really the most important thing during my tenure was being a mirror and a reflection of the Westcliff community. Mm -hmm. And so I really took things like birth announcements, certainly obituaries, marriage announcements, high school graduations, those kind of things very, very seriously, because the those are the important things that uh, people want to know about, especially in a community like Custer County, which still remains rather close-knit. Exactly. Let me remind folks we're visiting with Jim Little, former editor and publisher of the Wet Mountain Tribune. Now, Jim, it strikes me that having a pretty thick skin is is a prerequisite in the newspaper business. Oh, indeed, yes. <laughs> and luckily, I uh, learned that very early on uh, from Bob Cruz and working for the Florence Citizen of the Tribune. That So, yes, you do have to have a very thick skin. I mean, if I didn't, I would have had a heart attack decades ago. <laughs> but uh, I, I really kind of found the silver lining in that when people were sometimes incredibly mad at me for something. I saw that as a good sign that people were taking their local newspaper seriously, and they realized that it was in indeed an institution in the community. And the fact that they sometimes felt either so angry or whatever emotions they were expressing was a good sign that they were at least reading the paper. And so, yeah, I was never bothered by either insults uh, or anything like that. So what was the most enjoyable part about running a newspaper in the Wet Mountain Valley? Getting to know the people up here, especially in those early years, I knew virtually everybody in the county, you know, not so much these days, but in those days, everybody, all of the ranching families, the business community, the summer crowds that would come here, like our former governor, John Love, he and his wife, Anne, had a summer place here, and they would stop by and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So just getting to know the people and obviously just appreciating the natural wonders that we have here. Over the years, I've looked at other places that were lovely mountain communities that were just kind of ripped, raped, and ruined by somebody who came in with very deep pockets, and they will never go back. And Custer County has been fairly fortunate, where even though we have rather simplistic zoning regulations, which were put in place in part by Dick Milstein when he mm-hmm. opened Conquistador, the Conquistador ski area, but that has helped moderate the growth and to keep those great 
open vistas that we see. And then another thing that happened that was a, a kind of a big change was when the two wilderness areas were established. The Sangre de Cristo Wilderness, uh, which is 2,200 acres on both sides of the Sangres, that uh, came in uh, 1993. In that same year, a little bit later, uh, was the Greenhorn Mountain Wilderness, which is 23,000 acres. Mm -hmm. And that also kind of put Custer County on the map for outdoor enthusiasts. But, you know, as a result, we can look up into the Sangres and we don't see mining activity, uh, anything like that. We're always thankful for those views. I was over on the Rainbow Trail yesterday looking back across the valley, and I saw the snow on Greenhorn Peak over there. Yes, so. yes, yes. Yeah, we had a lot of good snow over in the wet mountains where I live. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, let me ask, when Jordan took over, do you recall if you had any advice for him? Well, I'm sure I did. Uh, but when I bought the Tribune, uh, I was a young, dumb kid. Jordan is young, not so dumb. And, you know, I just told him to be mindful of the community and its residents and to pay respect to everybody, regardless of their standing in the community. And just to be fair with your reporting, be fair and honest. And I think he's uh, done a great job with that. As we run out of time, let me ask a couple things about El Pomar. You have been on the local council of El Pomar, the philanthropic organization out of Colorado Springs, for as long as I've known you. How many years have you been associated? And for folks unfamiliar with El Pomar, what, what are the nuts and bolts of it? Yeah, El Pomar Foundation was uh, founded by uh, Spencer and Julie Penrose in 1937. He had built the Broadmoor Hotel about 100 years ago, but he mainly made his fortune in copper mining throughout the West. And they set up uh, the El Pomar Foundation in uh, uh, 1937, so it's one of the oldest foundations in the state. In 2003, they established, and this was kind of a first nationwide among big foundations, regional councils. And currently there are 11 of them, and they're all kind of geographically oriented. The Central Peaks Regional Council that I serve on was established in uh, 2006. It was one of, oh, I think maybe the fourth regional council established. And I joined the board in 2008, and so I've been a member for 13 years. And we not only the regional councils um, all have a focus area. For several years, it was childhood health and education and wellness. Currently, uh, in our four-county area, which is Custer, Fremont, Chafee, and Park counties, we're trying to address affordable and attainable housing. But over the years, I think the the regional council has distributed like $2.1 among the four counties mm -hmm. and close to a quarter million dollars here in Custer County. And then with traditional grants, when someone applies, when a nonprofit applies for a traditional Alpamar grant, they usually kind of vet it with uh, the members of the regional councils. So I feel fortunate in having been able to bring many, many tens of thousands of dollars into Custer County from El Pomar. And I know just recently you brought some funds into uh, local organizations right here in the White Mountain Valley. Yeah, they had a separate fund set aside kind of for COVID relief, and they knew that many nonprofits uh, were kind of suffering. And so 
they set aside a pretty good chunk of change for distribution in the four-county area. Typically, we have about a quarter million dollars a year to work with. In the regional councils, we don't accept uh, grant applications. We have our focus area, and then we look for nonprofits that can abide by that or follow the, the suit of that and, and then give them the money. So I think we've done a great job. And this is in conjunction with the Wet Mountain Valley Community Foundation. I was a founding member of that in uh, 1999 and was the chairman for GAD 13 or 14 years. Mm -hmm. And between El Pamar and the Community Foundation, the nonprofit community in Custer County is relatively healthy compared to other places in the state. I think that's true. And under full disclosure, I'm currently a board member on the Wet Mountain Valley Community Foundation, and I remember you were were there when I joined. Yes, right, right. A few Mm -hmm. years ago. Jim, any final thoughts? The 15 minutes goes quite quickly. Well, it does go quickly, and I I, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of relive some of this. But ever since I was a little kid, we always had connections to Custer County. We used to spend a good chunk of each summer up at the Pines Ranch, uh, my family and I. Uh, Back in the old days, my great-great-grandparents had some business interests up here. So we always did have a connection to the people and to the land here. And so just being able to devote my life to kind of carrying on that connection has been an opportunity that I couldn't have dreamed of when I was younger. Jim, great seeing you again. You too, Gary. Thank you again. We've been visiting with Jim Little, retired longtime editor and publisher of the Wet Mountain Tribune. He's also on the Regional Council of El Pomar. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 